This is the J. Scott Outdoors podcast on Western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and use the J. Scott promo code when signing up to receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. I'm your host, J. Scott. And I live and breathe hunting and fishing, spending half the year in the field experiencing God's creation. I hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today is part two with Trail Kreitzer, and we're going to be breaking down each of the Utah elk units. So for your applications that are due here March 3rd uh, for the state of Utah, you can listen to Trail. I'm going to ask him questions specifically about each hunt and he tells me the trophy potential and quality of the unit Uh, so it's going to be a great episode before we get to that i want to thank you guys the listeners uh, for tuning into this podcast and supporting this podcast i'd invite you to send me emails and comments uh, if you have any questions in regards to the podcast or people you want to hear on the podcast or or different things you want to hear topics um, feel free to email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow our adventures at, at jscottoutdoors on Instagram, our a Facebook page, jscott, and uh, the website, uh, jscottoutdoors.com. Uh, guys, I wanted to uh, let you know that I found an article, uh, Bloomberg Business, I did an article on a company that I'm uh, close with that I've used their products uh, since the inception and it's a clothing line that I believe in it's 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 actually more than a clothing line it's ultralight hunting gear it's Kuyu and uh, Kuyu has been making unbelievable gear for years now and uh, there was a pretty cool article in the mainstream uh, media it's and I'm going to read it to you. A camouflage clothing line wants to be Lululemon for hunters. Kuyu is betting hunters want high-end, high-functioning gear. This is an article by Kyle Stock uh, on Bloomberg.com. Uh, it just was published on the 9th of February. Killing a Canadian mountain sheep is a little like climbing Everest. It's expensive and arduous and typically involves terrible weather. Clothing is critical, but hunters can't wear the garish down stuff suits that climbers in the Himalayas favor. Sheep, it turns out, have incredible eyesight. Sophisticated camouflage is essential. I'd say 80% of hunters I know wear Kuyu, says Bob House, who charges 40000 for guided expeditions in the Yukon. I absolutely love it when my client steps off a plane and is fully outfitted in the Kuyu stuff. If paying tens of thousands of dollars and traveling to a remote part of Canada to kill a sheep doesn't already signal how serious someone is, Kuyu does. Unless you're an experienced sheep stalker, you've probably never heard of Kuyu, named after an Alaskan island pronounced Kuyu. But the company is conferring on hunting gear the status that Patagonia did for outerwear and Lululemon Athletica did for yoga pants. Kuyu is making it lighter more water resistant, more breathable, and better looking. An upgrade to what's previously been available, which has been oblivious to performance, fit, aesthetics as a deer on the opening day of deer season. Depending on where you live and the number of wonder underpants you own, 
You may assume that hunting is a niche sport. You may be wrong. Hunting is a huge, remarkable, stable business opportunity. About 15 million people bought a license in the U.S. last year, a number that's remained virtually unchanged for the past decade. According to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services, it estimates that hunting gear and apparel take in about $23 billion annually. There are far more hunters in the U.S. than rock climbers or surfers, and almost as many uh, as there are skiers and snowboarders. According to annual surveys by Outdoor Foundation, bow hunting in particular is booming because it requires more tracking. Young, fitness-focused people are picking it up. We're finding that it's resonating with the farm to with the farm-to-table movement, says John Edwards, president of Schnees, a hunting retailer based out of Bozeman, Montana. All this presented an opportunity for Kuyu's 44-year-old founder, Jason Harrison. He's an unlikely apparel magnet, but he was an unlikely football star too. He played college ball at the University of California at Davis, a school better known for turning out almond farmers than linebackers. In 1995, he was invited as an undrafted free agent to the San Francisco 49ers training camp, where he spent his days as a tackling dummy. Then defensive coordinator Pete Carroll took a shine to his speed, attitude, and work ethic, though he made the cut. After one season in particular, a brutal hit, an old neck injury caught up with Harrison, causing him to lose feeling in his left arm. The injury and surgery that followed ended his football career, and he found himself selling commercial real estate in Boise, Idaho. I was completely lost as to what to do next, he says. Sales came naturally. Harrison was successful but unhappy, living for weekend bow hunting trips. He would hike deep into the mountains, channeling his inner linebacker, hump out with whatever he'd killed. It was on one of these trips in fall of 2004 that Harrison and Jonathan Hart, a college friend, got the idea for the company that would be the stepping stone to Kuyu. They were clad for warmth in lightweight mountaineering apparel, a patchwork of North Face, Patagonia, and other brands, yet... To stay hidden, they swaddled themselves in cheap camouflage that was ill-fitting and heavy. The mountaineering world was light years ahead of the hunting industry, Edwards says. At the time, high-end brands that skiers favored didn't bother catering to hunting market, and existing hunting labels had cartoonish view of their customer. Overweight and underpaid. Harrison and Hart's new company named Sitka for the Alaskan city made the first camo apparel that featured what would have been familiar to any shredder. Wicking fabrics, weatherproof zippers, armpit vents, and welded seams. It was cut for athletic builds, not beer bellies. And while it would cost more than any, than any other camo, Harrison was convinced the crowd of affluent, fit sportsmen who'd pay a premium for a high-functioning gear. The co-founders did no market research, but any Mike, excuse me, but any McKinsey consultant would have given them a green light. Sitka struggled at first. Harrison couldn't find reliable suppliers and factories. He started on the trade sew circuit with hodgepodge of fabric samples and shoddily sewn garments. He had to stack the first batch of merchandise in his yard. He had moved to Dixon, California, until he had space. In his, so he could make space in his garage. But the demand was there. Schnees bought 10,000 worth of coats, pants, and thermals and sold out in two months. By 2007, Sitka's year in, second year in operation 
Almost every major outdoor real retailer was stocking the brand, and it did about $2 million in sales. Harrison and Hart were struggling to stay ahead of the demand in late 2008 when W.L. Gore, makers of Gore-Tex, approached them about using the fabric. They sold Gore a stake in Sitka and then worried the deepening recession would crush the business. Sold the company outright. I spent the last two weeks at Sitka writing a business plan for Kuyu, Harrison says. Hart stayed on to steer the Sitka brand. Unlike Sitka, Kuyu sells directly to consumers, almost exclusively online. This allows the company to offer even better materials at a similar price point. A $300 Kuyu jacket would cost about $450 elsewhere. Kuyu features merino wool from New Zealand, petards leather from England, a covetable waterproof fabrics from Torre, a Tokyo-based chemical conglomerate introduced to Harrison by former Patagonia designer. To stand out even more, Kuyu uses proprietary camouflage. Harrison did public relations too, blogging about the suppliers behind the, his materials and people such as retired Lockheed Martin engineer helping Harrison piece together carbon fiber backpack system. I realized if our products were going to sell, we had to educate our, cons- our customers. Harrison says... He also detailed his field test with posts that typically ended with pictures of a gutted animal and a huge set of horns. It was a bloody spectacle, and hunters ate it up. In its first day of sales, Kuyu moved $500,000 of merchandise. There's such a stigma around hunting that so many companies are afraid of, Harrison says. That's worked great for us. This year, Kuyu expects sales of $50 million. Kuyu's success hasn't gone unnoticed. Major retailers have the company in their sights. Under Armour now sells hunting apparel, and reviewers are praising Cabela's in-house gear. At Schnee's, Sitka is stocked along with Duckworth, a a line of wool gear and retailer developed with scientists at Montana State University. Hart says Sitka has grown 35% every year since Gore bought it, but he declines to share revenue figures. The brand got a boost in 2013 when Vladimir Putin was spotted wearing it. Kuyu, for its part, is trying to expand its customer base, homing in on new turf. Next year, it will release a line of shorts and shirts for trail running, and its $190 guide jacket can uh, can now be had in major brown or phantom gray colors. That seems particularly suited for snowboarders. It's working on a uniform... Uh, for the Navy SEALs, some of whom are already regulars, and the proprietary camouflage is becoming a business of its own. Kuyu is collecting licensing fees from companies plastering the designs on everything from binoculars to hunting bows. Those who hunt with arrows have to get close to their prey are so particular about their camo, which is exactly what Harrison wants. Again, this was a great article in the Bloomberg Business section of Bloomberg.com, uh, written by Kyle Stock. Whether you are interested in elk, deer, antelope, bighorn sheep, or moose, Western Hunter and Elk Hunter magazines will bring the adventure to your mailbox. These publications feature articles on the finest hunting gear, tips and tactics from experienced hunters, field judging trophies, glassing techniques, calling strategies, and much more. To become a more knowledgeable and skilled hunter, subscribe today. 
Go to westernhunter.net forward slash jscott and enter your email address for a chance to win a $1,500 credit towards any Swarovski product. Wilderness Athlete is committed to improving the health and quality of life for the outdoor athlete by providing field-tested, scientifically validated nutrition and sports performance products. Check them out at wildernessathlete.com and use the jscott promo code to receive 10% off any order in February 2016. Okay, Trail, let's get right back into um, talking about the uh, Utah elk units. Okay. Uh, I was just saying, I think those units that are going to be the best for, for quality are, you know, those units that haven't seen major changes in tag allocations. Um, if you look back to the tag allocations for the last 10 years, uh, those units are, are units like the Beaver, uh, the Boulder, um, the San Juan, and the, and the Pavant probably. And, you know, for me, you know, growing up in the middle of, of two and three, even three of those units, I spent quite a bit of time on the Pavant. Um, I would say that those are probably the top, the top tier units. Uh, there's other units that you're going to have a great hunting experience. I mean, if you, you look at the Monroe, Monroe's a great unit. It's always going to produce some great bulls. Uh, you're going to have a phenomenal hunt because they have a great elk herd up there. Um, but I'm not sure that it has the the trophy quality or the potential that maybe like the beaver or or the boulder does. Did you want me to talk about why? Or yeah, I mean uh, maybe go ahead and talk about some of the, the quote unquote mid tier units, and then maybe let's compare okay. uh, some of the best units with the mid tier and what makes them quote you know the best and and you know maybe second best. I think some of those mid-tier units, you're thinking probably like the the Dutton or maybe the Penguin Lake or the Book Cliffs units. Um, that Little Creek Roadless unit uh, is a great unit. There's a, a lot of bulls, and you know they, they pull a good bull out of there um, every year. Um, so those are probably you know the units that I'm thinking about. Uh, the Fish Lake, uh, the Manti, those are both units that have a lot of elk on them i think the objective uh on the fish lake is you know it's over 4,000 elk i think so there's a lot of elk up there and and consequently you're always going to have some bulls that come out of that that are that are good bulls probably one of my favorite bulls of the year uh came off the fish lake this last year and, and my neighbor had a permit a, a rifle permit and ended up killing a bull it was about a it might have been a 370 kind of bull 380 but it was just a, a gorgeous bull so those kind of units, you're always going to have um, um, some good bulls, but maybe not those those 400-inch bulls like the Beaver, the the Boulder, the San Juan. Do you want me to talk maybe a little bit about the difference in those or what you think? Is that yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe go through um, the Beaver, Boulder, San Juan, and Pavant, and uh, tell me a little bit about each unit. Okay. Yeah, so the the Beaver unit, um, if you look at, at like I said, the tag allocations uh, over the last ten years, they've fluctuated very, very minimally. Um, part of that is because Utah manages their elk herds, their their bull permits based on tooth data. They they manage for an age class of bull, so um, those are units that they manage for an older age class of bull. And the way they do that is that when you know when a hunter kills a bull, they'll end up sending in a tooth. Um, they age that bull, and then they average them out, and then they t- they take the three-year average. So if your bulls are your average uh, of harvest is meeting uh, what your objective is for that unit, you know, then the, the tag allocations r- remain uh, basically the same. So those are units that haven't seen a lot of change, and they continue to meet their age class objective. Um, the beaver itself, um, 
it's a good unit because you have a lot of summer range. You have good quality summer range up top. You had nearly uh, what a 48,000 acre fire on the north end um, a few years ago, which is is going to help that summer range. It's going to help the feed, especially on that north end. Uh, as far as habitat restoration work, we've done probably you know over 10,000 acres um, of mastication work uh, on the winter range, which is is good feed for those elk. Um, and it, it's a rough unit. I mean, there's a lot of deep, steep country. Uh, there's areas and canyons that those bulls can, can get into and disappear. It really just seems to have it all. But I think it's a combination of, of management um, and, and age class and then habitat. So that's, that's probably what makes it the best unit for me. Um, the boulder is a huge unit and it's relatively flat up on top and it's real timbered. So a lot of those bulls that summer up on top of that unit uh, never, you know, they're hard to see. They never see people. So, you know, they can get big because they can hide in that timber. It's hard to glass and they just can put on some age class up in there. And it, it helps that our allocation is such that we can allow some bulls to really mature and get big. So that unit, it's a little bit different um, in the way that that unit is. It's not like, you know, the Dutton or the Beaver where you've got a lot of big glassable country. It's fairly flat up on top and it's real timbered. Um, so a, a bull can get big up, up on top. Um, the San Juan I'm not as familiar with, but when you look at the, the amount of trophies that have come out of that unit, um, it has to be, you know, just like the beaver, the boulder combination of good habitat and then tag allocation. So anytime you manage for an older age class of bull, um, that trophy quality is going to be there. Um, when you're looking at some of those mid tier units, you know, maybe the Dutton, you're always going to kill a few big bulls on the Dutton, um, but you're probably not going to have as many available as, as a unit like the Beaver, and it's it's based off of tag allocation. Uh, the units, uh, the, the, the Dutton unit is managed for a younger age class of bull, and so consequently, uh, the DWR issues more permits. So, um, you know, the more permits they issue, it's going to bring that age class down, and, and consequently, your trophy quality is going to come down a little bit too, but that unit is so big and rough and there's a lot of really inaccessible country. There's always going to be some bulls that, that get through and get big. So, um, and same with the, you know, the Manti, um, the Pavant similar is the beaver, uh, real limited tag allocation. So, and, and some rough country. So it seems to be a combination of, of good habitat and, and not too many permits helps bulls get big. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking specifically, uh, talk to me about the archery seasons and the dates. Um, and I, I believe our full moon this season is uh, September 18th. And uh, how Utah works with uh, non-residents uh, and maybe, uh, you know, some of the units uh, are just one tag. Uh, some of the units have more limited entry tags. And then talk a little bit about uh, resident uh, elk hunting in Utah as well. Okay. Arch archery. archery. I mean, let's talk archery specific. Yes, yeah. yeah, so that archery hunt it starts uh, the first, you know, earlier in August. Um, I'm trying. I think the start date this year is August 20th, and I think the end uh, is September 16th. And that's about a. It's a four-day adjustment from last year, from 2015. So that hunt would have started four days earlier and ended four days earlier. So this year. Uh, archers, you know, potentially have the opportunity to hunt bulls uh, that are rutting that maybe they didn't last year. 
Um, you know, that hunt ended last year on the 12th of September and it's really a little bit too early to really get those bulls, you know, fired up, um, and, and really be hunting, you know, rutting bulls. Um, I've hunted Utah, uh, two times with a bow. I hunted the beaver in 2002 and then I hunted the Dutton, uh, in 2010. And I also hunted, um, I guess in 2009 with my brother, he had an archery permit on the beaver and, we, you know, all three hunts, we, I didn't even carry a cow call. I, <laughs> I'm a terrible elk caller. I hate to admit it, but I am. I just, I've never had good experience with, you know, being able to hunt rutting elk in Utah. So, um, tactics, I mean, tips and ta- tips and tactics. Um, you know, in my opinion, I think your best opportunity to be successful in Utah is, is really the first week of the hunt, you know, that first part of August. And then actually the first part of September, um, I think that first week in August, you're still able to, to pattern bulls are still in that summer range. Um, you know, in 2010, when I hunted the Dutton with a bow, I had a, a bull, probably about a 380 bull that I watched all summer. I scouted 18 days and I saw him all 18 days. And then uh, I ended up seeing him. I had him at 89 yards on opening day and um you know couldn't couldn't get any closer for a shot uh before dark and that was the last time I, I saw that bull but i think i think early um you know is is better actually to be honest i think you can pattern those bulls and you can work in on them if if you're early enough you know you get right in on them and get it done and i think that's a, a good opportunity the other opportunity i think is that first week of september when those bulls are starting to you know maybe Fill it a little bit. The testosterone's going a little bit, and they're starting to find uh, wallows and really hit them. And if you can, um, you know, find a wallow and you know either sit it or plant an ambush point between between a bedding area and a wallow, I think is another good opportunity. Um, this year, you know, with that hunt ending the 16th, you know, there is some potential to get it into some rut action. Um, if I had that tag, it would probably be that last week of the hunt. I'd be looking for cow-calf groups and kind of patrolling the peripheral and seeing what's out there. How do you see the, um, the only time I've been in Utah on an elk hunt was with a friend of mine, Steve Chapel. I want to say it was like in 2006. I don't remember the exact year, but it was the Boulder. And we thought he was the only, we thought there was only 16 uh, limited entry permits. Mm-hmm. And I think he was the only non-resident um and we got there and it was over the counter spike and cow archery yeah. and there were people everywhere and, and maybe even archery deer was open over the counter and there were people everywhere yeah tell me how is that the same or has that changed and how does that play into some of these units no that's the it's it's the same i mean almost every limited entry unit uh, in the state also has a spike hunting archery hunting uh, open so um, you know, anybody can walk into, you know, a division office or a Walmart and buy an archery elk tag and they can go out and hunt um, those dates. They do end that hunt, the elk hunt part of that. So the general season elk hunt spiker cow um, a week prior, you know, to the end of the, the bull hunt. So if you have a big bull tag, an archery tag, you actually get the last, you know, week to yourself to hunt elk. There are still archery deer hunters on, on that unit and that hunt goes clear up to, you know, the 16th this year. So you, you're contending with, you know, spike hunters and and deer hunters, and it's it's busy. I mean, it it is crowded. And if you want my honest opinion, that's probably 
a, a big reason why you maybe don't get to hunt those bulls, um, you know, in the rut. I think, I think by and large that pressure, they feel it and they maybe don't get fired up. You know, I, I know that yeah. the early rifle hunt, you know, they'll get to rutting and stuff, but I still don't know if it's maybe what you guys experience in Arizona or, or other states where they have less pressure. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm definitely spoiled, uh, for sure. Um, absolutely. Um, and then talk to me a little bit about the tag allocations. Uh, you know, some of the units, they only give one tag. Uh, some of them, they give multiple tags. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, if, if you have an odd number of permits, uh, available, uh, either resident or non-resident, the, the bulk of those will go in the random draw. So say, for example, um, we'll say there's three resident tags for a unit. One of those tags will go to max point holders, so the person with the most bonus points. The other two will go on a random draw. Uh, if you're a non-resident and you're you're looking at a unit and that unit only has one permit available, uh, that unit will go or that tag will go to uh, random draw. So essentially, if you're if you're applying for a unit and there's only one permit available, um, you are you're you're never going to be guaranteed that tag on max points. Um, every year that you apply, you obtain a bonus point, and the bonus point um, will statistically give you a better chance of, of drawing that permit because your name is, is basically thrown in the hat one extra time, but you'll, you'll never be guaranteed that, that tag on a, on a bonus point. Does that make sense? Sure. So, yeah, I mean, you're, if, you're, if you're looking at a unit um, with only one permit, um, you know, you could be in for a long haul, and you could potentially never draw that permit. That's why I'd, I'd encourage people to to look at units that have, you know, more than one permit, even if it has two permits and you can build bonus points. And if you if you can find a unit that, you know, will meet your other expectations, be it trophy potential or harvest success or whatever weapon you want to hunt with, you know, if you can find those units where eventually at least you will be guaranteed a permit uh, on max points, then maybe that's a better a better option. Okay, and if I I'm looking at the Go Hunt Insider um, Utah draw odds, if I were to just name a unit, could you give me kind of a range of what kind of bulls to expect per unit? Sure. Just kind I, of a I, yeah. off the cuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, Beaver East. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, 380 kind of bull, and and even on up to 400. I know. I know of a couple bulls that came off of there last year. Um, I have a, a buddy from that lives in Beaver that <laughs> has been out just about every day uh, watching a bull. He thinks it's 400 inches. It's still up there. Uh, so I would say, yeah, I mean, 380 plus would be would not not be unrealistic. Okay, and so like the limited uh, archery, there's only one permit for non-resident, correct? Correct. And how many? actual total permits are there uh i think there are eight resident permits and one non-resident permit okay. um, and, and, and there may be seven seven i think i think total there are eight so seven resident one non-resident okay and when you say 380 um you know in in a typical day hunting on the beaver uh you know are you going to see you know Four or five bulls? Are you going to see eight to ten bulls? Are you going to see you know fifteen bulls a day? What kind of you know what kind of opportunity is there? Yeah, I would say you probably see you know five five to ten a, a day, depending on where you're hunting and and when you're hunting. Yeah, I my brother had that permit in 2009, and you know I I would say we probably saw between five and ten bulls a day. 
depending on where we were at. It, okay. Yeah, I mean the bull bull to cow ratio. If you're looking at are you looking at the Go Hunt website? Yeah. You'll see the bull to cow ratio that they give you. Um, you have to realize that Utah uses uh, spike hunting to kind of regulate our bull to cow ratio. So if you're looking at a bull to cow ratio of 13 to 100, you're probably looking at a ratio that's mostly mature bulls. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. We use we use spike hunting to to kind of keep our bull to cow ratio in check. Um, so we'll we'll take those bulls when they're young as spikes so that we can retain some older age class bulls for people to hunt in you know, limit entry and, and still maintain a, a bull to cow ratio um, that's that's decent for the herd to help that herd grow. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand shooting spikes, but that's a, that's a whole nother argument <laughs> sure. uh, there. And I certainly don't understand why, you know, and it's picking on your state a little bit, but oh, I don't ahead. know why the Department of Wildlife would run, you know, guys that have waited 16, 18, 20 years to hunt limited entry elk, and they've got over-the-counter archery deer and over-the-counter spike and cow. I just do not understand that. But that's a whole nother subject. Let's talk about book cliffs and Little Creek. Okay. Yeah, so um, kind of a general range of bulls there. I would say, uh, as far as trophy potential, I'd say 360 plus. Um, you know, I had a, a bear tag this fall that I drew, just a spot and stock bear tag in that unit, and I spent 15 days backpacking it. Um, I saw three bulls that were, you know, 370 plus, and I saw a lot of bulls in that 340 range. So uh, that unit. The fact that it is roadless, um, you have a lot less hunting pressure. It, I would think it would have as good a rut as, as you might experience in, in Utah. Um, good unit. I I wouldn't hesitate to hunt it. I would love to hunt it. Book Cliffs, Bitter Creek South. I w- it's a big unit, a lot of elk, and I would say maybe, um, what, 360-ish, you know? Is that what you, when you're talking 360-ish, 380-ish on the Beaver East, are you talking about what you would see or what you honestly think someone could kill? Uh, on the Beaver, and, and of course it depends on, you know, everybody's ability. Um, but I would think, you know, somebody like you that, that has a lot of experience that's hunted hard, uh, I would say that realistically on the Beaver, um, you know, you have a chance at a, a 360 bull and, and maybe 380 plus if, you know, if you spent your time scouting and really hunting hard. So Okay, uh Book Cliff South. Okay. Uh Book Cliff South. I would I think you did you say three sixty? Yeah, maybe three sixty, three seventy potential. Um maybe. Um you know, that's the unit I'm not as familiar with as I am that little crick unit. But uh a lot of elk. Um you know, it's a huge unit. <laughs> it's it's a humongous unit and it's got some big steep Deep rugged canyons. Um, a, a bull could certainly get some age to him there. Um, but yeah, I would say you know three three fifty. Okay. Is it Cash North and Cash South, or is it how do you pronounce? Yeah, that? so Cash North and Cash South. Um, the Cash North unit is is probably not a unit that you you would look to if you're looking to maximize your, your trophy potential. It just it's a it's a rough unit. Um, I went to Utah State up there, and when I was going to school, I spent a ton of time backpacking around uh, the Cache North and the Cache South. Of the two, the Cache South is certainly the better unit for trophy potential. Um, I would say three, you know, three fifty, three forty, three fifty, realistically. And that Cache North, you're probably looking at maybe a three twenty, three thirty kind of bull. Um, okay, Cache Meadowville. 
Yeah, so the cash metal bill unit, you can draw it with no points. It's because it's primarily uh, private lands. Um, so you have to obtain, um, you know, access to those to be able to hunt it. So it's not a unit um, that I would recommend. If you get, if you can get access to it, it could be a good hunt. And they they killed a really good bull off of there a few years ago, but again, it's it's primarily private and hard to hunt. So okay. Prop- central Central Mountains Manti. Okay, the mountain the Manti is a huge unit with a huge population elk. I mean, there's a lot of elk on the Manti, and and it can be a good hunt. Um, you're probably looking, um, you know, three thirty, three forty type of bull. Uh, on your top end every once in a while someone pulls a monster out of there you know there's a gentleman that owns an archery shop in Orem. his name I can't, and excuse me his last name I, I don't know but his first name is jake but he killed almost a 400 inch bull off the manti with his bow um a year ago so you know the potential's there uh for bigger bulls it's a huge unit and there's a lot of elk so anytime you're dealing with, with that kind of of a population there's always a chance but you're going to experience you know, more pressure. It's it's uh, it's managed for a younger age class of bull, so you know you're gonna have more permits and and more people on you. But there's just a lot of country and a lot of elk. Okay, Central Mountains Nebo. Uh the Nebo, I would say, um, you know, maybe three forty, three fifty class of bull. And and again, I, I don't know a ton about hunting that unit. Um, I had a friend that hunt. I did a couple years ago with an archery permit and killed a great 330 class bull. So, you know, I, I couldn't specifically speak uh, to what, what that hunt might be like, what that terrain is like. I just see, you know, the kind of bulls that are coming out of there, and generally they're in that 330, 340 range. Okay, Fillmore Pavant. Okay. It's a good unit. I'd heard rumor just the other day that we'd, we'd finished flying it and that uh, our population there was either at or just below objective. So... It's got a healthy population of elk. I would say probably in this last couple of years, it seems to be producing a few more better bulls. We had a, a time period there where it was just off the charts. And uh, I think the last couple of years, it's kind of come back and they've started to kill some some of those top-end bulls. But I would say, you know, realistically, um, you know, 370, you know, okay. it's, it's a great unit. There's some real rough country. 370, 380, maybe, but yeah, it, it's some rough country, and and um, you know, it's it's great elk habitat, and there's a lot of elk, so always a chance for something big on the Pavant. Okay, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. At GoHunt.com, we are restoring the heritage of the old and constantly redefining the new. We stay focused and put our efforts into redefining the future of Western hunting. What makes us special? What makes us different? We are the new breed of hunter. We are the customers that we serve. We are the innovators, and we are the future. Visit GoHunt.com slash insider and join the movement. Use the J. Scott promo code when signing up and receive a $50 Kuyu gift card. Have you guys heard about PhoneScope? PhoneScope is a privately held company that makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. Take digiscoping photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. PhoneScope stands behind their product with a 100% money-back guarantee. PhoneScope is the future of digiscoping. Get yours now. Use the JSCOT16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at PhoneScope.com. 
That's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com or on Instagram at Phonescope. Okay, Trail uh, LaSalle, LaSalle Mountains. Okay, again, that's that's one I'm not as familiar with. Um, and I, I hate to say that, but I would hate to lead anybody astray. Um, but I would say as far as trophy potential, you're looking 350, 360 class kind of bulls and maybe the potential for something better. Go ahead. How about the Monroe? Uh, the Monroe, I would, you never know with the Monroe. <laughs> Monroe can be a bit of a wild card because they certainly killed some giant bulls. Uh, on the Monroe, everybody knows the spider bull, and um, there was actually another bull up there that uh, an archer ended up hitting, and and we ended up picking some sheds up off of it. But uh, you know, it was like a 430 bull, so you ne- you never know. The Monroe can produce some of those really just amazing bulls, but I would say realistically, you're probably looking, you know, 370 type of bull. Um, it's it's an awesome hunt. I don't know if, if there is a probably a more fun hunt uh, than the Monroe if you can draw it. It's just a neat mountain, neat unit, a lot of elk. Just a really a really good Sorry, did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. I didn't think that would happen. Here, let me Was that is that your ringtone? Yeah, my ringtone. Yep. Sorry about that. That's what. Anyway, yeah, the Monroe, I mean, it's a great unit. Um, I think you and I probably both know uh, Cody Smith that works for Go Hunt. Um, he's, a, he's actually a neighbor of mine. He had that archery tag a few years ago, I think 2013, and just had a phenomenal hunt. And, you know, didn't end up taking the bull that he wanted. But, you know, I think there's some potential there for some good bulls, you know, 370 type of bulls. But neat hunt. Okay, Mount Dutton. Uh, Mount Dutton, I would say, um, you know, I saw this year in uh, the Wildlife Board minutes and then our new elk management plan that just came out that they've actually increased the age class objective on the Dutton. So I would expect that uh, the Dutton you'll see a decrease in permits. And I don't know um, by how many, but I would expect to get that age class up. You'll probably see a a decrease in, in permits. And those could come from, you know, archery or, or muzzleloader or rifle. Um, but there's always going to be a, a good bull on the Dutton. And it's just because it's a big, rough mountain. There's a, a lot of inaccessible country. And it seems like some of the best elk country is off in those nasty canyons. So I would say, uh, realistically, you know, three, 360, 370, and, and maybe even something, something larger. Uh, our statewide sportsman's tag, uh, not this last year, but the year before, killed a 430 bull off the Dutton. Uh, that's a bull that was, you know, it's been there since 2010 that I know of. Uh, I saw some trail camera pictures then, and, and people have kind of known he's existed and been chasing him around, but he just kept evading people until, you know, eventually those guys tracked him down and, and that gal was able to kill him. But the Dutton can hide a bull like that, so, you know, you never know. North Slope, three corners? Um, the one I would, I would not know. I just, I don't know enough okay. about it to speak about it, Jake. Sorry. <laughs> no sweat. Um, and then there's, I don't know how to pronounce it, but Stansbury Ochre, it looks like. Ochre, Stansbury. Stansbury Ochre. Um, God, and, and again, I, it's probably one, I'm, I'm a lot more familiar with those Southern region units, Jay. Yeah. No sweat. Penguitch Lake. Yeah, the Penguitch Lake, uh, they've, it's it's another unit that this last year in our management plan uh, is going to see an age class objective increase. So you're probably going to see a decrease uh, in overall permits. And I would anticipate um, some better bulls 
coming off that. There's been some great bulls in the last few years, and a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. So the Penguins Lake, um, it's it's seeing a age class uh, increase. So you're going to see the number of permits decrease actually on that unit to to help that age class come up. Um, and there's always going to be some good bulls on the Penguin Lake. Uh, the last few years, they've killed some really good bulls. Uh, a lot of them have come from, you know, either the early archery hunt um, or that late rifle hunt. And it seems like some of those bigger bulls pull off into winter range and guys are able to, to find them and, and pick them off. But I would say, you know, realistically on the Penguin, you know, maybe 350, 360 class bull. Ponsagant? Yeah, the Ponsagant doesn't have uh, a very robust population of elk. Uh, I don't know what the, the overall population is, but there's not not nearly as many elk as there are some of those surrounding units like the Dutton or the, the Boulder. Um, we have done a lot of habitat restoration work on the Ponsagant, and, and it does have some elk on it and, and some good bulls. I saw a bull that came off of it this year that was a, a 360 bull on that early rifle hunt. Um, but I think most guys are probably going to see bulls in that 320 to 330, you know, maybe 340 class. Um, that could be a really fun hunt, you know, especially, um, you know, this year, if, if you got those bulls talking like on the, you know, the end of the archery hunt or that early rifle hunt, um, and you could chase bugles, maybe not necessarily call those bulls in, but to, to, to chase bugles and actually see what those bulls are. So it could be a fun hunt, but again, I think you're probably trophy potential. You're thinking, you know, three, 20 to 340 ish okay uh plateau fish lake thousand lakes yeah huge elk population huge unit um it's a it's a good unit for a lot of elk um trophy potential is probably not um there like maybe the boulder of course not like the boulder or the beaver um but i would say um you know 350 Last bull, and, and like I said earlier, one of my favorite bulls of, of the year I saw came off that unit. Um, you never, you never know. Like I said, when there's that many elk and, and that big a unit, um, what what could have come off of it? But I would think 340, you'd be right in the ballpark. Okay, uh, Boulder Plateau Boulder. Like I said, that's probably one of the best units. I think that and the the Beaver and um, you know the Pavant and the San Juan and Sky's the limit, I think, on the boulder. Um, you could kill, you know, you could find a 430 bull, <laughs> and and I think they have in the last few years. But I would say realistically, you know, 370 um, up to 400. Okay. And south, uh, so, south Slope Diamond Mountain. Uh yeah. Again, that's one on that northeast corner that I'm probably not as familiar with. <laughs> okay. Uh, southwest Desert. Another unit, it's a great big unit just west of Cedar City here. It's mostly Kenyan juniper country, a lot of sagebrush, a um, lot of elk. You know, looking at our, our recent counts, we're, we're at an exceeding objective out there on that unit. So there's a lot of elk. Um, and I would say trophy potential, you know, maybe 360, 370, um, right in that neighborhood. Um, it would be a really fun hunt, especially if you got the bulls fired up. Uh, there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of elk and, and a good population. So if you, you got in the middle of that rut, that could be an awesome hunt. Utah Hydrographics is in the water transfer printing service, and they are open to whatever you can dream up. Choose from a wide range of camel patterns, designs, and colors. 
whether it's guns, bows, tools, rifle stocks, vehicles, steering wheels, fenders, dashboards, paint guns, fishing rods, cups, tripods, watches, knife grips, helmets for a local sports team or for your motorcycle, picture frames, mailbox, animal skulls, you name it, they can probably do it. Utah Hydrographics loves taking things that are general looking and turns them into something that looks fantastic and eye-popping. Give them a call and see what they can do for you and receive up to a 10% discount by using the J. Scott 16 promo code. Visit them at utahhydrographics.com or on Instagram at Utah Hydrographics. Since 1982, the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix has made it their goal to provide the very best customer service combined with the latest and greatest optics and accessories in the business. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods and mounting accessories for any hunter's optical needs. Go to Outdoorsman's.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code until February 28th to receive 10% off all Outdoorsman's packs and pack accessories. Wasatch? Yeah, the Wasatch right there just out of, you know, right along the Wasatch front. It's a huge unit, um, a, a lot of pressure and, you know, even quite a few elk, a lot of elk. It could be a good hunt as far as trophy potential. Um, I would say, you know, 330, 340 class bulls uh, overall. Okay, West Desert Deep Creek. Okay, let's clear out by um, what Windover, south of Windover, I believe. Um, and I think, you know, I don't know a ton about it. I know it's similar to... Um, you know, that Southwest desert country, you're, you're hunting PJ and, and pinion and, and sagebrush. And it's probably, I would think 330, 340. Okay. West desert, deep Creek. Okay. It's, uh, out there South of, uh, Wendover. Um, as far as country goes, you're hunting, it's primarily, um, type of terrain. And I would say for quality of bulls, you're thinking 320 to 330 with maybe the potential of a 350 kind of bull. Okay. Well, that gives us a pretty good breakdown on Utah uh, going through the different units. And uh, just a couple last questions uh, before we end this episode. Um, the late rifle elk hunts, uh, for someone that's got quite a bit of points like I do, you know, 16, that's a pretty decent amount of points. Sure. Uh, do you like those late elk hunts for, for trophies? Um, and if so, maybe what are your top, uh, say, three or four picks? Okay. Um, I, I actually do like those hunts. Uh, I've hunted it. My dad had a, a tag in 2007, a late Dutton rifle tag. And, um, I think the opening day out, we saw 26, six point bulls and, you know, one right before dark, we saw a 360 kind of bull that was just really heavy. And I begged and pleaded with him for it to, to shoot it. And it was down in a hole and, and he didn't want to try to get it out. So we actually passed on that bull and we ended up seeing on just an absolute monster and we hunted that bull for the next, I think five days, six days, uh, until the end of the hunt and didn't find it. But I think I do like that hunt. I mean, it's a, those are challenging hunts. You're dealing with colder temperatures. Um, you're, you're looking at bulls that have moved off into winter range and, and sometimes they're in that transition area between where they've rutted and, and moving off into a, you know, a hole to hide up in for the winter. And it, it could be tough to find them. Um, 
but but if you do, I think they're you know they're real killable, and I think you can find some big bulls. I know that some of those bigger bulls in the state that have been killed on you know sportsmen's permits or governor governor's tags have been killed uh, late uh, when bulls are pulled off in the winter range. So if you can you know pull some strings and and talk to you know some of the locals and really you know put your basically put your ear to the train tracks and really listen close. Um, and pick up some information on where a big bull might be holed up or, or rumors of a bull where he might be wintering. Uh, you could track down some, some really amazing bulls, I think, on those late hunts. So I do like them. Um, you're going to have to hunt hard and, and you know, put in the time and, and like I said, do your research. But I, I do like those hunts for big bulls. Um, what would be the top four or five units, three, four or five units? Okay. Uh, I would say um, the Dutton. Uh, is one that comes to mind. Um, Mount Dutton, you know, we had a 80,000 acre fire uh, in early 2000s, I think 2002. It primarily burned up and over uh, onto those southeast facing slopes of the Dutton. And I think you get some bulls uh, from surrounding units that maybe move off of the Monroe or move off the, the boulder um, onto the Dutton to, to winter on those long uh, open southeast facing slopes. So I think you may be hunting some bulls that potentially aren't there during the old the earlier hunts. Um, so I, I like that Dutton unit. Um, Penguich Lake might be another one that comes to mind. Uh, with a lot of the habitat restoration work that's been going on, you have some areas that are, you know, north or south and uh, south of Penguich on that east side. Um, they've done a lot of those bull hog mastication treatments and they've killed some really big bulls late um, out of those treatments. So I like that one. Um, you know, Southwest Desert could be real good um, on that late hunt. Um, those bulls move off into some of those those canyons, and you can glass them, and I like that hunt. Um, number four, um, you know, of course, the beaver is going to be good. Um, uh, the Monroe and the Pavon are going to be good. But as far as, you know, maybe uh, permits that you could draw, I think, or you might be at least in the running for, I would probably look at those those three, maybe like the, the Dutton. Okay. You know, the Southwest Desert or maybe the, the Penguich Lake. Well, Trail, it's been an awesome uh, getting to uh, pick your brain here about Utah and um, uh, getting to hear about your Arizona experience. And I look forward to meeting you one of these days, yeah. uh, maybe maybe up at the Expo. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be up there. Um, and I appreciate all the work. I love reading your stuff in, uh, on GoHunt.com. And um, your articles are always uh, very detailed and very well written. And I uh, just appreciate you spending time with us here and uh, wish you the best. And uh, until I get to meet you face to face, God bless you. And uh, thanks for thanks for coming on. Thanks. I appreciate you having me. And yeah, I'll, I'll be up there at the expo. I'm going to I'll hang out there in the Go Hunt booth. So if you're around, I hope I get a chance to meet you and say hi. That sounds great, buddy. Uh, look forward to it. Hey, thanks so much. All right. Take care. Yep. Bye bye. 